This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco. Welcome. My name is Jess Hanam. And this is Jamal Dajani. And we have another great show. Uh, Jamal is back in studio. We had a two-week break. He was out on assignment. And Jamal, we have so much to cover today, but I, I, I want to start the discussion with the topic of Islamophobia, hate, tweeting, and the White House. It seems like in less than 24 hours, we've seen a perverse and dramatic increase in the hatefulness and what I, what I think to be destructiveness coming out from the Trump White House and specifically from the president's Twitter account. Not only has he managed to create an atmosphere of profound hate toward Arab and Muslim individuals in the United States and the world, he's also managed to uh, basically do free advertising for ISIS. He's alienated Theresa May. He's alienated the United Kingdom. And I, I really think that in the last 24 hours, what we have seen is, is a really dramatic shift in the hateful rhetoric that's coming from the President of the United States. That's right. I mean, we weren't planning to talk about no. President Trump. No, there's so this much show, more to talk about. But it seems that every week or so, he just wakes up and with a epiphany, I guess, to... I'm not sure it's epiphany, but he wakes up with something. With something, <laughs> to tweet something crazy. And for our listeners, and that's why we uh, justifiably titled the, uh, the show Islamophobia in the White House. And, and for those who haven't been following the facts, you know, uh, President Donald Trump uh, retweeted a video that purported to show a Muslim migrant beating up a one actually it were three videos but one of them beating up a dutch boy on crutches but according just to the netherlands embassy and i'm 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 actually looking at their what what, at the statements that they put out there right in the united states this is the netherlands embassy right here in washington dc that the attacker first of all wasn't even an immigrant that's number one he was born and raised in the Netherlands, and the embassy, if you, if you read, if you guys want to go to their website, chastised Donald Trump for spreading false information. Fake news. So, uh, and it says facts of the matter. It said in a statement uh, on Twitter hours after uh, what Trump tweeted, and this is an answer, I'm, and I'm quoting, this is an answer from the Netherlands embassy in Washington, D.C., to the real Donald Trump. Facts of the matter, the perpetrator of the violent attack in this video was born and raised in the Netherlands. He received and completed his sentence under Dutch law. So it's just a criminal case. And actually, we will talk about one, yeah. uh, one after the other, one case after the other. But here we have a government of another country, the representative of the Dutch government, the embassy in the United States, coming out and directly contradicting, and I would say criticizing, the president of the United States for a, not just a, uh, uh, a fake tweet, an incorrect tweet, but a hateful and inciting 
tweet. Yeah, I mean, it's a tweet for targeting immigrants and migrant workers, which wasn't the case. And Number then, of one. course, labeling it as someone who is who is a Muslim. So th- that prompting the the embassy of the Netherlands to respond to Donald Trump. But let me just say a couple other things about that, Jamal. It's really important. He thought the person was Muslim because he had dark hair. I mean, to show you how outrageous and how xenophobic and how hateful this, this, this kind of rhetoric is, that the only thing that you could make out in this video was the fact that the individual had dark hair. The other thing that's important, and it ties all the videos together, is that this video has been making the rounds as a fake, you know, as a fake story because it's perpetrated by a racist, hateful, xenophobic group in the United Kingdom, and the so-called Britain First, you know, group in Britain, which has been condemned, you know, throughout the United Kingdom by it, the right, the left, and the middle. It's the Jaida Franzen, which right. is really equivalent to the KKK right yeah. here in the United States. Exactly. So going back to, to all these, you know, tweets, right? So the retweet... This one, the one we talked about, was one of uh, three right. anti-Muslim videos that Trump posted on the morning of no- November 29 to his personal verified Twitter account. So he can't, you know, the real Donald Trump, which has more than 40 million followers. All three videos were posted by, you're right, by Jaida Franson. The deputy leader of Britain First, a far-right group, and we actually have a, uh, we're going to play a soundbite from the uh, British uh, Parliament, one of the MPs. So the president's retweets also uh, drew condemnation, right? So uh, we talked about the response from the Netherlands, and now the condemnation from the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, who said through her spokeswoman, Britain First seeks to divide uh, communities by their use of hateful, you know, Britain first seeks to divide communities by their uh, use of hateful narratives that pedalize and stoke tensions, referring to Donald Trump. They cause anxiety to law-abiding people, British people, over, uh, British people overwhelmingly reject the prejudiced rhetoric of the far right, which is the antithesis of the values of this country, decency, tolerance, and respect. And you'll think Donald Trump will leave it at that. Because that's a big <laughs> smackdown. I yeah. mean, this is basically the prime minister of the United Kingdom, arguably the probably one of the most important allies the United States has. And Theresa May is considered conservative. So you would think after that smackdown, the White House might, you know, you know walk away, not inflame things, and kind of leave well enough alone. But no, what, 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 do they, what does Donald Trump say about him? He's a counterpuncher, right? So he punched back, didn't he? Yeah, so, so, so you'll think exactly like he'll be embarrassed, like, oh, I, I messed up. I, I didn't check that tweet very carefully that these guys are white supremacists. They're, you know, no, no, he says... Hey, and I'm paraphrasing pretty much. He was telling her to mind her own business. We're doing just fine in the United States and that she should worry about uh, extremist uh, Muslim Muslims uh, Muslim in, in, in Britain. I mean, this was his answer to the prime minister of, uh, of Britain, uh, who's supposed to be our uh, closest ally. One of our closest. Yeah, absolutely. It, 
it it goes beyond the pale, Jamal. This is not just insulting to the U to the UK. It's not just insulting. And by the way, there's another there's another part of the story which is really disturbing. When he tried to send that tweet to Theresa May, he sent it to the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, he didn't even send it to Theresa May's Twitter account. He actually sent it to another Theresa May in the UK. So there are so many things that are wrong with this story. Um, so many things that are disturbing. So many things that are just, you know, what can I say? That, 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 that give pause to not just us. So here, to the is, here, here is the sound by those things. Oh. This is the President of the United States sharing with millions inflammatory and divisive content deliberately posted to sow hatred and division by, as the Home Secretary says, a convicted criminal who is facing further charges, who represents a vile fascist organization seeking to spread hatred and violence in person and online. By sharing it, he is either a racist, incompetent, or unthinking, or all three. Wow. Okay. So, so, th- so, so he this, called, this is an MP. This is a member of parliament who's basically saying that the president of the United States is racist and incompetent. Yeah, this is uh, uh, Stephen Doughty, and he's an MP. And he wasn't the only one responding. Uh, no, responding. I mean, Theresa May even condemned it. I mean, you know, this is kind of... unfortunate on many different levels, but Donald Trump in the near future is supposed to have a state visit to to the United Kingdom, and now there are calls for canceling the trip. People don't want him to come. Um, You know, and again, this is across the political spectrum. It doesn't have to be, you know, just the Labour Party who has always been kind of antagonistic toward, you know, Donald Trump, but the Conservative Party you know, that, uh, you know, Theresa May is the, you know, is a member of. So this is, this is not, um, this is not boding well for the White House visit. I don't think that he's going to be received with such open arms as he was when he went to China and Saudi Arabia. Well, the mayor of uh, London already repeated, actually. And disinvited him, didn't he? Of disinvite, saying that he wouldn't, uh, you know. Be welcome in, so, in London. So, Jamal, we should talk about the third video because the third video to me is really problematic or the next video is really problematic because it speaks to the ignorance uh, uh, of the real Donald Trump. And he, he reposted a video that was really an ISIS video. The, I mean, this yes. is like, like advocating, like being a propaganda a supporter being mm-hmm. a propagandist for ISIS when he retweets something like this. It's really outrageous that that second retweet was of that video put out by the ISIS uh, media office, you know, basically showing the destruction of a statue of the Virgin Mary That's by right. an ISIS supporter. It was has been known and confirmed by the international community and by you know, uh, the, the, the kind of security institutions and intelligence communities in the world that this was a ISIS propaganda piece. And then there was another video, which also, it's an old video that happened during the uh, Egyptian coup d'etat uh, when uh, I think uh, a Christian was thrown off the roof. Right. And this happened, you know, 2000, I think, uh, 13. Right. And the perpetrator 
uh, or the criminal has since been arrested and and was uh, hanged to death. Oh, was executed. Yes, okay. he was. He was. He well, was. Well, then there's a lot of he, things he that he are was wrong. executed. <laughs> wrong but, with that but story. The way, yeah. But the way it was presented that this was happening now. Right. I mean, this is how you kind of twist and turn things, and to kind of just you know target immigrants and target Muslims. That this was as if it was happening right there in in Europe. So basically, what he's saying is that. This is part of the rhetoric, Jamal, about how the problems of the world today have to do with uh, Islamic terrorism, Islamic radicalism. This is part of the narrative that he's creating in this, in with these retweets. Um, this also happened within a couple of uh, you know a couple of hours, if you will, of him tweeting about. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer mm-hmm. wanting to open the floodgates of the United States to hostile immigrants who are going to be storming the borders. I mean, I'm not embellishing the tweet that much, uh, but that was certainly the implication, if not the exact, you know, letter of the tweet that he said about, you know, Nancy Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Again, creating this this atmosphere that we need to be fearful of immigrants, mm-hmm. fearful of Muslims. Mm-hmm. Fearful of people of color and fearful of people who uh, are coming to this country. I mean, we have a president in the White House. We do. Who really, you know, has put the enormous power of the bully pulpit in service for his own agenda. And and, and his own agenda is really, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about all these things. It, it has, it's multifaceted. One we know what's happening right now as far as the uh, Russian affair. We know what's going on with all the behavior, with, with the, all the instability that's ongoing in the White House, different investigation, including now the return of the sexual harassment we're having, we're seeing, and we'll talk about that, of uh, so many famous people in the media, in Hollywood. In the White House. They are, <laughs> well, 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 that's the thing. They're all either getting fired or resigning or whatever mysteriously. But we have a president who has uh, 10 women. Actually, 12. 12. But who's counting? Yeah, who's counting? I am. And so for me, the easiest thing that he could do, he wakes up one day and then he starts diverting the attention to Islamophobia, to, you know, immigrants, to all these stories that his constituency loves to hear. Absolutely. And and that's that's the game. I mean, I, I sometimes I don't believe that he he actually believes his own tweets. No, but I, I, I actually believe he believes it. Uh, this is the thing that, you know, is is really worth uh, kind of an analysis because one hypothesis is that he's doing this strategically and doesn't really believe what he says that he's doing it as a strategic advantage to promote his agenda and the Republican agenda. I actually am beginning to believe now, Jamal, that not only does he do this for strategic reasons, but I'm beginning to really believe that he believes these things, that he harbors deep, racist, hateful feelings towards people of color, towards immigrants, toward the immigrant community in general, towards people of the Middle East and the Arab world, I really am coming to that conclusion that this is not just, you know, a strategic advantage, but really a a core belief of the president of the United States. And I would say, 
If you retweet it, then you believe it. You own it. If you if you say it, you own it. Just like what he and I know we're going to get to this later, but you know all of these uh, people who are getting fired or resigning from positions. I mean, frankly, this really did start with the Access Hollywood tape in mm-hmm. the most recent iteration. I mean. It's been going on for millennia. It's been going on a long time, sexual harassment. But this latest kind of iteration of it did start with the Access Hollywood tapes where we hear the president kind of celebrating sexual harassment and sexual assault of women. And, you know, he gets away with it. Then you have Roy Moore in Alabama. I know we're going to talk about that later. But... You know, back to the point of how this creates an atmosphere now mm-hmm. of where we live, where, you know, hate is okay, um, attacks on immigrants and people of color are okay. When you have the president celebrating this kind of xenophobic, racist uh, narrative, it's going to just open up the floodgates even more. You're right. And what's worse than this uh, is uh, all these people who actually defend him and make excuses like uh, his spokeswoman, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who, you know, basically said, well, facts don't matter. Don't matter, you know, that (laughs) these, number one, these videos are for news. It doesn't matter because, you know. Islamic terrorism is still a problem. Islamic terrorism is still a problem. That's what she said. It doesn't matter. I mean, this is someone, this is someone who day in, day out talks to the media. I mean, you know, she's not talking to anyone. She she is actually explaining herself and the position of the the White House and telling them, basically, actually taking us back to uh, alternative news. They make their own alternative news, well, and it, it it doesn't matter. Similarly, you know uh, uh, how she went uh, to defend his statement about uh, uh, insulting uh, Native Americans, the Pocahontas, uh, trying to spin that story uh, or other stories. His uh, sexual harassment of women, actually, in it's even worse than this because some women claim to be raped by him. That's right. And and this is not this is a big bigger issue. I think this is this is for me smokes and mirrors to create a diversion. Uh, Listen, I mean, the, 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 if, if, if we want to hold Donald Trump to the same standard that we're holding Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, you know, Mark Halpern, all these other people, Roy Moore, if we're going to hold him to the same level of accountability, then we can say with reasonable uh, certainty that we have someone in the White House sitting in the chair of the presidency who is a sexual uh, predator, who is a sexual harasser of women, who in fact uh, has been, you know, outed, if you will, by these 12 women and probably more for sexual assault. So if this is truly a tipping point in our society, Jamal, where finally after you know, how, however many kinds of hundreds of years that this kind of ass- assaults have been going on, that we're finally going to have a society where men are held accountable, then he needs to be held accountable. So this story, I think you're right. The story of the sexual harassment by these 12 women, I think, is going to come back. This, I mean, the Russia stuff is going to be big, no doubt. And, you know, 
no doubt. But I think this could be equally as big a story because it's coming back in a new context. You know, he got away with it the first time. This is the second time around. Let's see where it goes. Well, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear for sure. It can't. I mean, in this national atmosphere of Me Too moment where every single day we see a new story about a powerful man sexually harassing a subordinate employee. In, of course, in all most of these cases are female employees in this country with, with the except of the exception of the White House in total denial uh, and Alabama, total denial. Same. Uh, I mean, uh, well, it's not only in total uh, <laughs> denial, but we have now Trump is basically endorsing Moore, right? So well, he's, yeah, he's standing he by has. him when the the majority of the Republican Party are are staying ten feet away from him. Well, I I really think I'm going to say something that may not be pleasing to uh, progressives or liberals right now. But many weeks ago when this started, I was one of the first people that said that Al Franken should resign and that I do believe that John Conyers should resign. And I've been saying that when it first came out, this idea of kind of parsing it, well, Al Franken didn't do something as bad and therefore we can cut him a little slack. This is kind of what Nancy Pelosi said in relation to Al Franken and to John Conyers, totally unacceptable. If these accusations uh, are true, which, you know, Al Franken did admit that these things did happen, he needs to resign. I mean, I think this is the moment where people of conscience, people who believe in justice, people who believe and we should believe these women— then there needs to be accountability irrespective of your political ideology. Franken needs to resign. Conyers needs to resign. Roy Moore should be, you know, rejected by the people of Alabama. And then we need to take this all the way to the White House, Jamal. I mean, 12 women at least accusing the president of the United States of some form of harassment, assault, and or rape. And then a tape of him saying that he celebrates the assault of women— that is arguably mm-hmm. worse and we're at the same level as what happened with uh, Roy Moore. I mean, these are really powerful accusations, and these women weren't taken seriously. So I want to take us back to the title of our show, which oh, is yeah. really right, Islamophobia right. in the White House. Oh, my God. And, and we were talking about, I said, well, maybe does. Trump really believe? I think he does. In his tweets, or is he, he just creating, you know, smoke and mirrors to distract the public from what's really going on around yeah. him in, in Washington, D.C.? And at the same time, looking at his track record, like Trump has a track record of stalking Islamophobia, which is, you're absolutely right about this. You know, uh, I remember nearly a year before he won the presidential election, he called for a total, remember, a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. That was his first announcement. The Muslim ban. And then Trump followed his proposal with an email to reporters. And, And we're talking about now Trump, the candidate. Right. And I'm quoting here from something he wrote in December 2015. 
and the court says, without looking at the various polling data, it is obvious to anybody the hatred is beyond comprehension where this hatred comes from and why we will have to determine until, of course, I'm trying to <laughs> decipher what he's talking about, until we are able to determine and understand this problem and the dangerous threat it poses, our country cannot be the victims of horrendous attacks by people that believe only in jihad and have no sense of reason or respect for human life. That was, this is, I'm, I'm trying to build here a track record for what the he has been do yeah, doing. I mean, the track record is ugly. Okay. Then Trump, later on, a few months later, he declared, again, this is a quote from him, I think Islam hates us. This was in an interview with CNN's Anderson Cooper. He went on uh, to say that his objection, objection to radical Islam, but added, it's very hard to define, it's very hard to separate because don't, because you don't know who's who. So in other words, he's painting everyone with a broad uh, brush. brush and then saying, you know, 2 billion Muslims or approximately 1.8 billion Muslims, they could all be part of ISIS, right? <laughs> and, and of course, the president's anti-Muslim rhetoric uh, continued, has had, didn't hamper his efforts to impose the travel ban, which we're, we're seeing battled in, in court in now, court yeah, now yeah, yeah. Uh, on non-visa holders from several countries, including five with majority Muslim uh, populations. Uh, and this is called as now the Muslim ban or Trump's Muslim, Muslim ban. Uh, and then he went on to say there is nothing veiled about the press release titled Donald Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. This is when the judge responded. Right. Uh, when they tried to kind of backtrack and say, no, 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 we didn't mean we didn't say it this way. We're talking about specific countries. And this was a way to kind of try to say, well, by naming few countries where terrorism exists that we are not banning. All, well, the all two Muslims. other countries, by the way, were North Korea and Venezuela, Jamal. Give me a break. He threw those in there to, to kind of um, soften the, the, the kind of profound Islamophobic and racist nature of the ban. First of all, people in North Korea don't come to the United States. Oh, I see them lining up to come to the United States. They can't for obvious reasons. And then people in Venezuela being banned. It's like, really? The two countries that are economically so unstable right now, people in North Korea make $87 a month, are going to fly and come to the United States. Right. People in Venezuela who are on the verge of economic collapse are, are rushing to come to the United States. So it's all fake, Jamal. This is, this is stoking hateful divisions in this country. Hey, we have to take a short musical, br a short musical break. This is Arab Talk. We're on KPOO.com. We're also streaming uh, live on Facebook Live, right? We are streaming live on Facebook. You're listening to us on 89.5 FM right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The show will also be posted on SoundCloud. We are going to be ending our uh, Facebook Live. Yeah. But you can uh, listen to the show right on KPOO.com. We'll be right back.
right. Welcome back to Arab Talk on KPOO. We're in San Francisco. We're at 89.5 FM. We're broadcasting uh, also uh, streaming at kpo.com. You can listen to us afterwards on SoundCloud. You can always check us out on Facebook, too, which is uh, Jamal Dejani 2 on Facebook, as well as Arab Talk on Twitter. Jamal, I don't even know where to go with this. There's so much still to talk about this. You know, the first half of the show, you know, the title of that segment was Islamophobia in the White House. But, you know, it kind of goes beyond just Islamophobia because he has directed his hate not just at Arab and Muslim people all over the world. Um, He's directed it towards people of color from Central and South America, from Mexico. He's extending it to basically large swaths of, of people all over the world. And um, this is not just uh, Islamophobia. It's, it's kind of a larger issue of, of racism and hate directed towards all people of color, including African-Americans, I might add. And most recently, Native Americans. Native Americans. I mean, he, he, he had uh, Native Americans uh, vet that's in in the White House, and he he couldn't help himself but make a racist comment in their presence. Well, he thought it was funny. People saying he was targeting um, Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth yeah. Warren, and it was funny, but it wasn't funny. Well, here's the other thing that's not f- that's really disturbing about that that photo op. It's in front of a picture of Andrew Jackson who single-handedly was responsible for the removal of Native Indigenous Indians Act, which, you know, basically decimated even further uh, the ethnic cleansing of Indigenous Native uh, Americans, taking away their land, putting them on reservations. So Andrew Jackson is the architect of that plan in terms of state sponsors of what happened to the Native Indigenous community. And he has the audacity, if you will, the gall to have a presentation with these heroes, these native indigenous heroes, standing in front of a portrait of Andrew Jackson. Like, okay, that's like bringing, you know, African Americans to the White House to celebrate with a portrait of a guy in a KKK, uh, you know, mask. It, mm-hmm. it, it would be the same thing. Well, that's uh, typical, of course, of Trump, you know. I don't know if he, again, was he doing it on purpose or his uh, handlers are just well, too dumb but, to realize but either way, Jamal, the, it's the bad. significance of this. But, but either way, it's bad, right? It doesn't matter if it's done. I, I mean, when you get pulled over for a speeding ticket and you say to the cop, uh, I didn't know that the speed limit was, uh, you know, 70 miles an hour. The cop says, OK, if you don't know, then we give you a pass. No, ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance is no excuse when it comes to having the most powerful position, you know, in the world and, and in this country. we got a lot of other topics uh, to cover, I know. What's, what's next on the agenda? Well, uh, we should follow up on a story we've talked about two weeks ago and I think still uh, reverberating all over the Middle East. And, of course, uh, right here is what's happening in Saudi Arabia. Ah, I think we have to, man. That's and, a huge story. And because it's kind of disappearing. So many stories, in fact, uh, and I tell you something, uh, and I'll come back to this story, but uh, talking about watching 
the U.S. media, for example. Right. Yesterday, the number one story was the uh, Matt Lauer uh, story. It was more important and was f- covered far more than international stories, and it was covered more than uh, Trump's tweet and this, uh, you know, Islamophobic uh, tweet. He tweets he had, and at the same time, uh, Jess, I was watching CNN. I was watching uh, the main, main one of the two main shows at CNN, Don Lemon, and of course Anderson Cooper. And when they were discussing this story, they didn't have any Muslims. Well, of course, you know. I think later on, Don Re- Lemon, if I remember, brought one later on the show. But through the wall-to-wall coverage, first of all, they had the wall-to-wall coverage. And then they were discussing and they were bringing these people, defending Donald Trump, saying, yeah, he meant he didn't mean this, these Muslims, good Muslims, bad Muslims. And that game they always play to defend him. Muslim, bad Muslim. But the, imagine if you have a debate, which the other debate was sexual harassment, right? So the other big story, which was the bigger story. And you are having sexual harassment, and you don't have a woman <laughs> on the show. Well, that happened. Talking, too. talking <laughs> that about probably that. happened too. It didn't. I, you know, I mean, okay. It, it, they had both men and women, which they should have, and and you know, but in in the case of, you know, one, I mean, the biggest probably stories that we had for the year, you know, when you have di- direct statements, be it on Twitter, or uh, you know, from the horse's mouth, basically making disparaging remarks and racist remarks and Islamophobic remarks coming out from the White House, targeting Muslims. And we're talking about global Muslims, but we have Muslims, American Muslims, and Muslims serving in the Muslims serving in the U.S. armed forces That's and right. so forth. That's right. You know, and the president basically is institutionalizing Islamophobia. That's right. When you have the head of the state, I mean, it's like the Pope, right? <laughs> it's like the Pope making a, sta- a statement to the Catholic world, That's right. telling them X, Y, and Z, right. they are... A crime. They are going to... Most people are going to listen to him. Right. I compare this, to tell you the truth, I, I compare it to something, taking it to the other realm, is a... The Ayatollah making a fatwa when people say when millions of Muslims listen to the Ayatollah Khomeini's fatwa on Salman Rushdie's head at the time. Right, right. This is Trump's fatwa. It is. With his kooks. You're right. Who are following him. I agree. Telling them and giving them the green light and vilifying not only Muslims across the globe, but American Muslims, which makes it very troubling for all the American Muslims living possibly in all 50 states. Absolutely. Serving in the military. Serving in the military, you know, going about in their own business to think that perhaps one crazy guy is going to listen to this dude in the White House. And he's going to commit a, a crime well, or going to target them. I, I think that's a really good point, Jamal. This is a Trump fatwa. And if you push it a little further, you know, I made this comment a number of weeks ago. 
that this is the Christian version of Sharia law. If you look at the, the structure, the nature of the rhetoric, his whole riff on Merry Christmas yesterday, I don't know if you saw that part, Roy Moore... Everybody's been saying Merry Christmas. I, I mean, what planet does he live on? I oh, we're going to say Merry Christmas. I know. So, and then, you know, the support of Roy Moore, who has said that the highest law of the land is the Bible. He doesn't say the highest law of the land is the Constitution. Well, that's the thing. We talked about Roy Moore several times, and I bring this back uh, this topic, because people now re- associate Troy Moore, this whole thing with the sexual harassment, which they should, and basically pedophilia, which, which they should. But Roy Moore history is the foundation of this whole Roy Moore character is based on racism, on Islamophobia. That's right. He's been uh, homophobia. He's been he's been four years and elected time and time again to the Supreme. Yeah, but uh, then kicked off. Corder and kicked off twice. And 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 now they people are not talking about this, which is okay. Well, this is the the plat du jour or the subject of the day. However, dig you don't have to dig deeper into knowing the character of Roy Moore, a very vile, hatred person xenophobic person who basically to me you know because we're seeing dif- all different types of men now coming or falling I should say because of the sexual harassment but this guy is even more than that this guy is, should should have been put behind bars yeah I mean pedophilia that's, you know, that's a crime and, but, and this, but the, this is a guy Jamal Roy Moore who holds his bible high in one hand while sexually assaulting children so that's the image I have of Roy Moore. Well, this is the the so-called the uh, word hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, shows his picture. Yeah, absolutely. But w- do you want to? I mean, this is the country that that the this is someone that the Republicans really are going to have to accept well, because it looks like he's well, going to win. Well, well, the Republicans are distancing no, but he, themselves he, except for the president of the United States. Actually, right. but he's going to win, Jamal. Roy I don't know Moore's if he's going to win. He will win. Roy Moore is going to win. He's going to come. The Republicans don't have the moral strength to get rid of him. They, they won't have it, Jamal. And they will use Roy Moore to pass the uh, tax bill, which is another disaster. But I'm telling you, this is someone in the United States of America who believes in his heart that the Bible is a higher authority than the Constitution. And is that who you want to have in the legislative body the largest, you know, arguably the most important legislative body, you know, that we have. I mean, come on now. What What is happening with people in Alabama? Come on. <laughs> I mean, that? really? Did, do, do you know your civics? Do you understand what the Constitution is, Roy Moore? No, no. The Obviously Bible not. is more important than the Constitution, separation of uh, State and church does not exist in his uh, life, but we strayed a little bit. Going back I'm to sorry. Saudi Arabia, I'm sorry. Let's let's get and, back to Saudi and going Arabia. Going to the Saudi Arabia and and the ramification of what's going on in Saudi Arabia, the coup within a coup in Saudi Arabia, with the full support, by the way, of the United States and now, Israel and Israel and like now the Saudis. Oh yeah, this prince is fantastic. He's doing the right thing. Oh, corruption, corruption, corruption. Look what you know. He's cleaning the country from corruption. Oh, my God, like the House of Saud, <laughs> they've been siphoning the wealth of the country for decades. For 100 years. For decades. For 100 years, and, man. And, and now all of a sudden, 
we wake up and, oh, the prince is really fighting corruption. And uh, one story, uh, you know, I mean, because we talked about the topic uh, just popped on my screen the past couple of days is that uh, now, you know, the uh, former National Guard chief who was among, this is one of the princes, is among the 200 other princes, ministers, and businessmen who, who were stuck, rounded who were stuck at the Ritz up early this month uh, is uh, as Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman tightens his grip on power is uh, Prince Mit'ab. You know who's Prince Mit'ab? Isn't he, he the was, son? He's the son. Prince Mit'ab was once seen as the contender to the yes, throne. Yes, And he is the most high-profile royal amongst this group, group of crooks, in yeah. my opinion. And he's getting released. Well, he had to pay a fine, though. <laughs> That's it. So, so he had to pay a so, fine. So, <laughs> so, 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 Prince, uh, yeah. So the prince was released on Tuesday morning, uh, so the time, and he was he was re- released. And the term for his release, after he had to pay one billion dollars in a settlement deal. Do you have a billion dollars to pay? When no, they but, and, and actually for the <laughs> prince, a billion dollars is, is still a drop in the bucket. So it's not that much money so, for him. So he, ha- he had to pay one billion dollars. Okay, that's, that's uh, an interesting to be To be released, uh, you know, and but, but, wipe but, the slate. But uh, Jamal, I think the other clean. thing that, I mean, if you want to talk about this being a real big tipping point, the other thing, I mean, you and I have talked about for years now the the kind of secret uh, coordination between the Israelis and the Saudis. And people were always talking and bashing us for being conspiracy theorists and all of this stuff. So now it's come out in the last week that the the uh, security chief for the, for the Israeli security chief or one of them came out and said, we are actively coordinating and helping the Saudi government the Saudi monarchy, the Saudi government, for helping them root out Islamic terrorism. They came out and made that statement. So we know that they've been coordinating with them behind the scenes, but now it's so outrageous, it's so beyond the pale, that now the Saudi-Israeli cooperation is not only out in the open, Jamal, but it's celebrated. Two weeks before Crown Prince uh, Salman did his purging, he happened to take a meeting mm-hmm. with Jared Kushner. That's right. Without the support of our State Department and our Secretary of State, who, by the way, is going to be losing his job. So in my humble opinion, it seems like there's some kind of interesting coordination between senior advisors in the Trump administration Israeli government officials. Big time. And the Saudis. Well, look, look, look we always uh, knew that the, the Saudis, I mean, uh, I, I can show you articles and even pictures of Prince Bandar bin Sultan when he was the ambassador uh, right in Washington, D.C., meeting with Israeli officials. All the time, yeah. And they always act like, you know, they don't have diplomatic ties and they've been talking and discussing both, uh, you know, having relationships go- ongoing in, in, in London, in Washington, D.C., and other other uh, capitals. 
recently, this is what you mentioned. This is what the former Israeli security uh, advisor, he was with the Netanyahu, said. He said, Saudi Arabia doesn't give a damn about the Palestinian cause. <laughs> this is what he said. It's as true. long as it can cement a deal with Israel against Iran. So this is the common enemy. All what you hear, you never hear Saudi Arabia talking about Israel or the occupation or they the don't apartheid care. or what's happening in Gaza. They're always talking about Iran, Iran, Iran. So the uh, medieval kingdom is willing to accept almost any kind of Israeli-Palestinian peace deal. This is what's going on. This is the so-called Trump slash Kushner deal when they went and uh, put Mahmoud Abbas in a corner and recently exercised, uh, you know, they squeezed the PLO by shutting down or not shutting down, not renewing, the, uh, I guess, the permission the to... The lease, yeah. To, and the lease to, and the permission to, to, to be operate in D.C. In D.C. and then late, later on they uh, lifted the sanction. But this was sending, uh, this is Trump slash Kushner and behind the scenes Saudi Arabia, etc. Basically now, they want to end the Palestinian-Israeli conflict for the, force the Palestinians to accept a deal. To accept a deal so they can just throw it in the bin, that deal, and focus on Iran because it's too distracting for them. I mean, this I, is not what... Donald Trump, I mean, this whole rhetoric now, Donald Trump, really, the agenda, and this is something, if you look at the statement recently by uh, John Kerry yeah, talking about the Iran and a deal. Yeah, that was interesting. And who was behind him or behind the United States all the time, egging them on to bomb, to bomb Iran during the negotiations. They did not want to see these negotiations. They did not want to see peaceful negotiations. Uh, Israel, Netanyahu, and uh, also Sisi from Egypt. That's right. They didn't want to have a peaceful negotiations. And so now, in my opinion, the number one now foreign policy, forget about Palestine. what's going on in Palestine, even North Korea, yes, a threat, it gets no. everybody aggravated. The number one foreign policy for Donald Trump, and mark my words, is how to get out of the Iran deal. And destabilize Iran. And destabilize it. And he has the full support. This is, this is the concoction of Benjamin, his, his buddy. He calls him Bibi. Right. Remember? Right. Uh, Bibi, who used to sleep in, the, in, in Jared Kushner's bedroom in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, I'm not making this, uh, this up. Research that. When he used to come and visit the New York area, he stayed at the Kushner's. This is concocted by, you know, this is really concocted 100% by Benjamin Netanyahu. With Jared Kushner. With Jared Kushner. Absolutely. How to get out of this peaceful Iran deal and go back and bomb Iran that's right. to the Stone Age. This and is what they want. Exactly, Jamal. I think that's a I think that's a spot on analysis. And the secondary advantage is to marginalize the issue of Palestine. You marginalize it's, the issue of Palestine. Not only this, yes, but the 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 uh, what's missing from that equation because now they have a problem with Qatar. Remember, the United States has the biggest air force space. Uh, Air Force Base in the Middle East, it's in Qatar. That's right. And the second largest Air Force Base is in Saudi Arabia. So since now Qatar is out of the equation, you know, where are, number one, where are, if, when, if the United States, and I hope this will may never happen, when they 
decide to bomb Iran. It's going to be from Saudi Arabia. The planes are going to take off from Saudi Arabia. Absolutely. Israel, to show Israel also involved, their planes are going to fly over Saudi Arabia land. This is a, b- a big trip. They are going to get refueled. No, they're going to fly over Egypt, then Saudi Yes, <laughs> to, get, to get into Iran. So, so they're putting the pieces. They're together. putting the pieces together for a checkmate. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, you know, they don't want distractions uh, about the Palestinians. They want to make sure they, are, they remain quiet and they shut, they shut up. So the Arabia is 100%, you know, with them and maybe even have a peace deal with Israel. Oh, uh, that's going to be happening. It's going to happen. Here's what I predict. I predict that there will be a, there will be a consulate and an embassy in Riyadh. Before the end of next year. And do you know who's going to green light bombing Iran? Donald Trump. Saudi Arabia. So it's, the pretext is not going because Israel, you know, this is a game. Of course, we know who's, who's the real power behind this, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. But they're going to use Saudi Arabia as a pretext. Saudi Arabia is going to go and say, we are threatened by Iran. They are sending whatever weapons or they're sending fighters to, uh, to Yemen. Look what they're doing into, uh, with Hezbollah in Syria and in Lebanon. Blah, blah, blah. Help us, help us, help us. And We're just defending ourselves. We are, you know, we are the closest, you know, we are the closest country, you know, to Saudi Arabia. And, of course, there is the strategic oil uh, agreement that the, you have with the United States and, and even, I think, maybe even NATO. And they're going to light up that whole area on fire. I think that's exactly right. So that's the plan. I think so. They don't care about Palestine. They don't care about Syria. What they really care about is Iran. I think you're right. Now, the, the, the fly in the ointment, Jamal, is Russia has been cozying up to Iran, to Bashar al-Assad, to communities in, in the south of Lebanon. Um, he has had a very cozy relationship with them and is, you know, supporting those relationships. So a lot of this is going to come back to Russia, too, which is going to make for a very interesting analysis when all this happens. Hey, we're we're at the end of our show again. We we ran out of time. We got a lot to talk about, as usual. Send us your comments to Arab Talk at KPO.com. Follow us on Twitter. Listen to the show on SoundCloud. And we'll see you next week.